Well, good morning, everyone. Buenos dias. Hola. Yes, that's the one. Hello. Those of you that don't know me, my name's Gabby. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just want to say how excited I am to see you all. I love Sundays. I love to see people getting together, gathering around Jesus to worship, to connect, to get empowered, equipped. It is it's great stuff. For the last couple of weeks, we've been learning about the art of neighboring. And it's been wonderful to hear all your stories about the things that are happening in your own neighborhood. And so we actually want to invite you to keep those stories coming. We want to hear from all of you. We want to hear what's happening. We want to hear if you're inviting your neighbors over for dinner, a barbecue. Maybe you took an opportunity to connect with someone you had never said hi to or to serve someone. We want to know what God is doing through all of us as a church in our neighbors and community. So does that sound good? Yeah, cool. Thanks. Well, this morning we're actually going to take a little break from our series And we're going to take some time to talk about the power of faith. One of the things that I've noticed throughout my conversations with people and in my own life too, is that for many of us, coming to church can be a very exciting thing that's empowering, that helps us connect with God and make decisions and and get excited for the future. And that's Sunday, but then Monday comes. And the reality of our lives hits us in the face. And all the things we said we were going to do at home and our workplace, around our neighborhood, they all go out the window because we find ourselves being too busy or too sad or too fearful or we start to second guess everything. And then we find ourselves in this endless cycle, unable to experience breakthrough in our lives. That actually happens to me a lot. So if you are going through that today, or if you've experienced that in the past, let me tell you that this sermon is for you. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to open them in the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This is a well-known passage for most of us. Most of us, it is the story of a paralytic man that was carried by his four friends through someone else's roof to get them closer to Jesus. We've heard of it. Um, most of us at least. And one of the powerful things about this story is that it reminds us of the great things that can happen when God and human faith encounter each other. Very powerful things. So let's read Mark 2 verses 1 through 12. I'll be reading from the NIV. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. 
And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Now, can I just say that this is a great passage to preach on? <laughs> I got to pick it. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Any passage is a great passage. But sometimes we talk about a passage that tells us what God is going to do in the future through Jesus. And other times we refer back to what Jesus already did. But in this passage, we have Jesus in the flesh, in real life, intervening in people's lives and turning them around in such miraculous way that reveal the power and authority that he has as the Son of God. Now, this is really important. I want, this, I want this to be our departing point as we move through this passage because I want to show you how this authority and this power was perceived by the different characters in this story. The friends, the Pharisees, and the paralyzed man. Let's just say that the sermon's going to be divided in three different acts. And we're going to start with the friends. The story says that Jesus was back in Capernaum after having been in the wilderness for 40 days. He had just starting, started proclaiming the good news. So he was very new in his ministry. But that did not matter because news had exploded. Everybody was talking about this Jesus guy that was pulling all these miracles, showing all these signs. And he was actually coming into town. That's where this story starts. And so these four guys, they hear that Jesus is coming. And I would imagine that they thought, well, there's a miraculous guy coming. And we have our parents paralyzed friend here maybe we should take him closer to him should we do it well we don't know if they debated uh over this for a while or if they just went for it but all we know is that at some point there was an opportunity to bring their friend closer to jesus and they took it they make a decision so they picked up their friend and they went And as they approached the house where Jesus was teaching, they quickly realized that the place was crowded. It was packed. There was people everywhere pushing each other. It was chaotic. And I would think that the easiest thing these friends could have said is what most of us say when things get a little difficult. Well, maybe I'll try another time. Maybe I'll reach out to God later when things are not as complicated. Right now, my burden is a little too heavy. My pain is a little much. And I'm just going to wait till the right time to do this God thing. First, I'm going to talk to everyone else but God. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever said that? You have, Larry. (laughs) He was nodding. Well, it happens to me all the time. When I say, all right, God. Let's do this. I am going to trust you big time. I'm going to do this. I'm going to partner with you. I'm going to enter into this challenge knowing that you are with me. And I'm excited. And the moment I face this lightest challenge, I lose all hope. And I convince myself of all the reasons I should have never tried or trusted in the first place. My faith looks a little bit like a roller coaster. I start something. I get excited. You know, I'm a very excited person and positive and yeah, yeah, Gabby's like that. I get excited, I trust God and my faith starts to pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up. I reach the sky, I'm excited and I encounter the slightest thing. And then, boom, it plummets. It completely plummets. Did you know that about me? Now you do. That's what happens to me. That's what I do. But that's not what these friends did. Because when they saw the crowds, when they saw the challenge, there was something in them that told them that there had to be a way. 
There was something in them that moved them to press on, to move forward, to find a way. And that something was called faith. Faith. The author of Hebrews describes it this way. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm not going to say anything about this passage. I'm just going to let it sink in. You can take it home, meditate on it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's the kind of faith that makes you do crazy things. Like opening someone else's roof so you can bring your hurting friend closer to Jesus. That's the kind of faith that moves a single mom to work day and night because she believes her children can have a better future. The kind of faith that moves a couple to give their marriage one more chance because they believe God can truly redeem any situation. That's the kind of faith these four friends had. Verse 5 says that when Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralyzed man, sons, your sins are forgiven. And we're going to talk about forgiveness of sins in a little bit. What I want to make sure we don't miss is this partnership that took place between Jesus and the faith of these four friends. Because it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he looked at this man and said, your sins are forgiven. The faith of someone else affected benefited, blessed someone else. And it'll happen through Jesus. This is huge. It's huge. What we see here is God engaging human faith through Jesus and then transforming it to display His power and His authority and His love for people. Did you know that God loves it, absolutely loves it when we trust Him in big ways? Yeah? When we take steps that seem irrational or crazy because we believe that great things can happen if we partner with them. Some of us have been trained to think that our our spirituality or our faith should look polished and contained and put together and serious. And if that's your faith and you experience God through that, good for you. But that's not meant for everyone. All that God wants is our trust in Him expressed in whatever way we can. He's not after the form. He's after the heart. So if you genuinely desire to get closer to God, don't wait to have the right methodology or the right form of prayer. Don't let any religious expectation get in the way. Just reach out to Him from wherever you are and however you can because I guarantee you He's going to meet you right there. He will. And if it looks messy, it is okay. It doesn't matter. Just think of this story. Remember the four friends. Because when they put their faith into action, when they removed all those tiles and all the dust, that mess, Jesus did not look at the mess. He looked at their faith. And He does that with us. Great things can happen when we partner with God in faith. But as we know, not everybody responds in that way. So let's look at the Pharisees now. The story says that there were these religious leaders around Jesus when this man was brought in. And as soon as Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven, they started thinking to themselves, what? Why is this guy saying this? Who does he think he is? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So clearly, these guys did not believe that Jesus was the son of God. Otherwise, they would have never said that. Unlike the four friends, they were suspicious. Suspicious. 
And we need to remember that the Pharisees were the people that claimed to have absolute authority over religious matters. They were the people that got to say who was worthy of God's love and who wasn't. And every time we encounter them in the Gospels, we see them being described by Jesus himself as people who had a hardness of heart, people that were set in their own ways with no room for transformation or growth. When we read that definition, it is a little easier for us to identify ourselves with them. If we say the Pharisees, that sounds a little foreign and old. But when we read hardness of heart, set in our own ways, that starts to hit home. I remember the first couple of times I went to church in my life. It's about eight years ago. Back in Mexico, my mom was literally dragging me to church. I did not want to go to church. I did not believe in God. I did not want to hear anything about Jesus. But there I was. Because my mom wanted me there. My motivation for being there was not to give Jesus a chance. I just had to be there. And so my attitude was one of suspicion. And from the moment I walked through those doors, I was just ready to hear some craziness. Something that went against my own beliefs, my own worldviews, that would be that would give me reason enough to leave that place. But then it was so interesting to see people around me genuinely enjoying the service. Like they loved it. They liked it. They were raising their hands. They were saying amen. They were saying all these things. And a part of me, the very arrogant part of me, felt really sorry for them. <laughs> I thought, oh, these people, poor people. They're being, they're getting, being brainwashed. Not me. Uh-uh. Not me. And I thought those things, but if I'm honest, there was another part of me that was a little jealous because I wanted to experience what they were experiencing. As the service got, you know, on, they were experiencing more and more faith, more and more peace. I could just see it. And my anxiety and my angst was growing and I wanted what, what they wanted. I was intrigued. We were all in the same place, listening to the exact same sermon, exact same song, yet we were experiencing completely different things. And now as I reflect back on it, it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, the reasons why we were there were completely different. Just like the Pharisees, they were in that house not to give Jesus a chance. They were there to find a reason to accuse him. And they thought they had found him. And when they did, they said, that's it, that's it, that one, right there, blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And what comes next is great, verse 8. It says that immediately, as soon as they thought that, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And I love this because God does have a way of knowing what we're thinking and what we're doing, especially when we're about to get into trouble. He does. He does. We may think that we can fool him, but no, we cannot. There is a great line in Galatians that says, Do not be deceived, for God cannot be fooled. Galatians 6, 7 for you. Write it down, highlight it, think about it. Do not be deceived, for God cannot be fooled. Back to our story, when Jesus knew what they were thinking, he asked them a simple question. Just one simple question. Why are you thinking these things? Other versions say, why do you reason like that? Why do you reason like that? Do you have any doubts? 
you're wrestling with today? Any thoughts that are taking you away from God? Thoughts that make you question God himself? You, your ministry, someone around you? Why do you reason like that? Something that's important to note here is that when Jesus asked the Pharisees this question, he wasn't questioning their actual reasoning. The reasoning was fine. What he was questioning was their motives. They were right. No, no one can forgive sins but God alone. There's nothing wrong with that. But they were saying that to accuse him and that the reason, the motive is what he wanted to get to. So he quickly followed up with another question. He said, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up, take your mat and walk? Now this is obviously a rhetorical question because it is way easier to say your sins are forgiven. Anyone can say that. I can say that right now. Your sins are forgiven. They could have said that whether it was true or not, that's not important. People can say that. But to forgive someone like God forgives, to make someone walk, a paralyzed man, to raise him from that map, now that would take the power of God. That would indicate an authority and an ability that went far beyond human strength or understanding. So to prove his point, and hence his authority to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go. And when he got up, he took his mat, everyone was excited, they praised God, and they said, we have never seen anything like this. Can you imagine that scene? Just, just picture yourselves there. That is the kind of miracle that God is ready to do in your life. The kind of intervention that makes you think, there is no way I could do this on my own. There is no way I could do this without someone's help. There is no way. That's the kind of stuff that can make you say, there is no way. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. There is no way on earth that I could do this. In fact, I have never seen anything like this. Jesus literally shut their mouths by pulling a tremendous miracle right before their eyes. And he did it so that he, he could prove without a shadow of a doubt that he was indeed the son of God who has authority over all things seen and unseen, ordinary and extraordinary. Let's look at the last two verses once again. But this time from the eyes of the paralytic. The story doesn't tell us a whole lot about his background. We don't know if he's been like this all his life or if it was something recent. We have no idea. All we know is that he's being carried by some crazy friends and brought to someone's home through the roof. We don't even know if this guy believes in Jesus or not. We don't know. We're not told. But the faith of his friends is so big and the power of Jesus is so tremendous that he receives complete healing just by being in the right place at the right time. That's it. Right place at the right time. Complete healing. An encounter with Jesus. That, my friends, is called grace. The kind of grace that takes us by surprise. The kind of grace that shows us God's relentless love and compassion for us. The grace that does not care where we've been or what we've done because the heart of God is to heal and to save every person in this world, whatever it takes. And the powerful lesson that we learn from this paralytic man is this. 
that the closer we get to God, the greater the miracles we can expect. Let me say that again. The closer we get to God, the greater the miracles we can expect. Does that mean that God can only do miracles if we reach out to Him and ask for them? No. That is not what I'm saying at all. He's always operating around us. He's always doing all these miracles. But when our eyes and our hearts are turned away, we miss out on all the things that are happening around us. We miss the miracles that happen right before our eyes. On the other hand, when we don't only set our eyes on Him, but actually place our faith in Him, we get to partner with Him in ways that are life-changing. They change our lives around. When this man encountered Jesus for the first time, he was crippled, unable to do anything on his own. But this encounter, this genuine encounter, changed his life forever. Because on that fine day, he got up, took his mat, and walked out in the full view of them all. And it was so wonderful that it amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. We've never seen anything like this. As we come to the end of our time together, I want to ask you one question. Just one. Who are you in this story? Are you like the friends who are willing to do the impossible to get closer to God and to partner with them? Or are you more like the Pharisees still struggling to believe that Jesus is indeed the Son of God? Are you struggling to believe that He has authority over all things, including your life, all things seen and unseen, ordinary and extraordinary? Maybe you identify with a paralyzed man, and you're in a place where you need to be carried by someone else's faith. And that's okay. If that is you, allow yourself to be carried by someone else's faith. Because in due time, God is going to show up, and He's going to show you things you thought were impossible. And you're going to praise Him. And you're going to say, I have never seen anything like this. Whoever you are in this story, I'll just tell you one thing. Hold on to faith and open your eyes to what's around you. It's happening around you. The miracle worker is always working. But are you able to recognize his work in your life? Are you partnering with him in ways that are tangible? Maybe a little risky. Maybe a little much for some people. Are you partnering with them or are you not partnering at all? The invitation to partner with God is always open. It is always open. All we need is faith. All we bring to our equation is our faith. And one more thing. Our sin. That's it. That's our part. We give Him our sin. We give him our fears. We give him our past. And we just have faith that he'll take it. And he will. That's all we got to do. So my question is, is there anyone here that needs to place their faith in Jesus? Is there anyone here that needs to recommit their lives once again? Because you've been walking with them. And it's been great at times, but maybe you've come to a point when you feel like it's crippling you. You cannot do it without Him. 
If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Raise your hand and declare, God bless you, that God is Lord of your life. God bless you. There is something, God bless you, there's something powerful that happens when we do something physical that displays our faith in Jesus. Very powerful. God, we want to thank you for this morning. We want to thank you for your word, for your love, for your power, for your grace. God, we know that we cannot do a single thing without you. We know that our lives belong to you. And the more we reach out to you, the closer we get to you, the greater the miracles we can encounter, experience. So God, take everything we have to offer. Our sin, our pain, our past. And give us your grace, your forgiveness, and your love in exchange. We take it, we receive it. We need you. We love you. And we ask your Holy Spirit to guide us and to empower us and to show us the way. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.